Kaylee, and welcome to Lydia House and our lockdown social distancing service. And another beautiful sunny day, so we're thankful for that. It's a beautiful spring in Minnesota, and hopefully it's a beautiful time wherever you're from as well. We're going to worship the Lord together this morning, and then continue the sermon series on how to live without stress or worry or fear or anxiety, which is pretty awesome. And please join me in prayer to start off. Father God, we thank you for this day, whether it's beautiful while we watch or listen to this service, or it's kind of crummy out. Either way, we give you the praise and the glory, and we thank you. Pray that you would help us to set down all of our stuff right now before you. Lord, we just pull out all, all the things that are weighing on our heart, and we just set those down on the altar before you right now. Everything that's filling our mind, all the cares and things that we have to figure out and work and all that stuff. Lord, help us to pause right now and just put that all on the altar before you. So let's take a moment just to clear our minds and clear our hearts in order to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. Thank you, Lord. And as we do that, we also confess our sins to you, anything we've done or left undone this week. Uh, we just bring that before you now and confess that now in Jesus' name. We receive your forgiveness, Lord, and we thank you for that. We thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us and make the way for us to be forgiven and to join in your family. We thank you, Jesus, that you gave us the gift of your peace and that you are that you sent us the Holy Spirit, God, to teach us how to walk into that peace, to walk by the Spirit, and to let go of control, to let go of being the Lord of our own life, but to let you take that position. We ask you to continue to help us to do that, Holy Spirit, as we worship the Lord now.
trust in you no matter what. Virus or no virus, work or no work, home or somewhere else, we trust in you. And we stand in awe that you ask us to join your family, your kingdom, and to partner with you in reaching this world with your love.
silent prayer. I want you to just close your eyes. Just imagine yourself sitting next to the Lord or maybe crawling up in his lap. And I want you to open up your spiritual ears. Just listen for whatever God might want to say to you. Atmosphere is changing now. The spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around. The spirit of the Lord is here. The atmosphere. The atmosphere is changing. Oh, 
song starts out singing about peace, which is what we've been studying these weeks. So as we sing this song, I want you to ask the spirit of peace to fill you up as you worship the Lord. We thank you for your peace, Lord. We help, pray that you would help us to walk in it.
single area of my life. Help me to learn more and more how to yield control over my life to you. Lord, I really want you to be Lord, which means master. It means you're the one in charge of everything. Finances, free time, everything, Lord. And Lord, we take this time now to obey your word and cast all our anxieties on you. quick announcements for you today so we've been since we can't be in person right now we've been doing most of our fellowship through zoom obviously we encourage you guys to continue to call each other and message each other and try to connect with one another as much as possible and think about the needs that those people might have and pray for them um, offer your time to listen to them um, we could all use that right now. And so we encourage you to, as a church to reach out to one another and also to those around you, your families, neighbors, um, people you're connected with online, uh, whatever the case may be. And we ourselves will fellowship uh, still with Zoom and we will be having lunch right now following the service at noon on Sunday. We do that every Sunday and everybody's welcome to join whether you're, you've been a part of this church in the past or not. And we also have Zoom uh, small groups that meet right before the service. So the men's group meets at 9, and the women's group meets at 9.45. And that information is also on the website, which is lydiahousechurch.org. And if you go to the live page, you can find all the links for all of this. And starting this Wednesday, we are going to be having a Zoom meeting, extra Zoom fellowship meeting on Wednesday at 7 p.m. So Wednesdays at 7 p.m., we know that not everybody can make it in the mornings on Sunday due to work or kids or whatever. And so we wanted to give another opportunity for those who can't make it to the other times or for those who can make it to the other times and just want to do more fellowship. Um, we're going to just share with one another and we're going to pray for any prayer needs that we might have for each other. So that's going to be a great fellowship time Wednesday at 7 p.m. Also on Zoom. Check the website for that. And we also encourage you to check us out on Facebook. Um, check out the posts. There's a private prayer group if you want to post your prayer request privately and have us read them and pray over um, what it is that you need prayer for. We also encourage you, this is actually a huge help to us, when you repost the Sunday services 
on your own uh, Facebook page. So you can just go to the Liddy House Facebook page and click on the service video and hit share. And then you share it to your page and type in something so that the people who uh, follow your page um, know it's you. Like, hey, here's my church from Sunday. It was great. Um, if you feel like the church service was not great, you don't have to share. So I guess that, does that put too much pressure on me? Maybe that's not right. I don't know. Anyway, it would help us if you shared that uh, because the more of the people you know who know about us, the more we can grow, especially in these days where we can't leave the house and go invite people. So we encourage you to repost stuff on social media, and we thank you for that. And without further ado, Pastor Paul has a few words that he wants to share before we dive back into the Word and continue to talk about living in peace. So, Pastor Paul, you're up. So, hello, Lydia House people. How are you handling this strange time? My kids knew my propensity for touching, hugging, and so they locked us up. We have a note on the door. It's not my way of doing life. We do get out. We do go on walks with the grandkids. We stay our distance. I forget sometimes and try to hug, and then their parents say, no, 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 no. This is not who I am. As you know, I hug everything that moves. But when we go to the store, I promise you, I wear a mask, I wear goggles, I wear fins, no one comes close to me. So I'll be very happy when it's over, but I'm thankful for Zoom, I'm thankful for our connections. We're continuing to connect on Sundays, those are good fellowship times. So please join us on Sunday. Uh, we miss some of you, and we uh, are getting others. We're actually having more for our men's meeting on Sunday at 9 by Zoom than we are in person. So that's a good thing. I guarantee you, when I see you, when you come back here, I'm going to give you a hug or two, and I'm going to hug everything that moves. So I look forward to that renewal, and I pray to God that it's sooner then later, I wrote an article about the virus and how to deal with the fear and I gave it to Nate. So that'll probably be on the website and probably in an, our announcements this week. I was blessed by Nate's message on dealing with stress. God has sure given him some insights in that area. When I was in college, I remember talking to the student body president and he said, when I get rich, I'm going to be a giver. And I thought to myself, no, he isn't. He doesn't get it. Because it's not money that makes you a giver. It's generosity. So I just want to read a, a couple portions of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Listen to this. It's, it's a powerful passage. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief 
of the saints. Don't you just love it? Second Corinthians 8. What gospel story does that remind you of? I know you're saying it. The widow. The widow's might. Jesus wasn't impressed with the wealthy religious leaders who were putting in their big amounts, but he certainly was impressed with the widow. It's not how much you give, but how much you have left. And God is impressed with generosity. And the wonderful thing is that he gives back and then some. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, pouring over. So we can't lose when we give. We can't lose when we give generously. So thank you for continuing to remember the needs of Lydia House during this time. And we're trying to remember your needs. We're calling people. And if we haven't contacted you, please let us know how you're doing. Give me a call. I would love to hear from you. And I know Nate would too. And we're praying for Lydia House and we're praying for our people. So we'd like to include any needs that you may have these days. Let us know what they are. So I'm going to pray for you now and uh, let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Father, we know that this coronavirus has not stumped you, so it doesn't need to stump us. I pray for those who have lost loved ones, how grievous that is. We pray for those who have been threatened. We pray for those who have the virus and are now oh, working through it. We pray for life over death. We pray for any of our people who have been touched by uh, financial stress during this season. We pray that you would show them your overwhelming grace. Meet their needs, we pray, and beyond. We pray that oh, in this crunch time that you will show yourself to be powerful indeed. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Hello, everybody. Welcome again. It is a beautiful day here in Minnesota. I'm not sure where you're, where you are, but uh, it's a beautiful day here. Hopefully, it's a beautiful day there as well. Even when days aren't beautiful, of course, praise God anyway, right? And you know, on that note, I wish you could all be here. I wish I could be with all of you and we'd be together and not locked down and all this kind of stuff like we're experiencing right now. And we'd love God to snap his fingers and end all this, right? And just rescue us. And God could do that. God does miracles. And I prayed for him to do that in this case for all of us. And he hasn't done it yet, at least. And so, at least for now, we are stuck walking through this season, the situation that we're all in right now. And we were sort of talking about that last week. We were talking about how life throws things at us and things come in and press in against us from the outside. Stresses, worries, anxieties, fears, situations of our life, the cares of this world, push those things in at us. And we need to learn 
to allow the Holy Spirit within us to push back, to create a space of peace and equilibrium within us. But most of us have gotten into the bad habit of letting all those stresses and anxieties in. And when those situations happen around us, those stresses and worrisome situations like being locked down and uncertain about jobs and health and all that kind of stuff, our natural human inclination is to get upset because things are not how we want them to be. And so we ask God for rescue. And there's nothing wrong with asking God for rescue, but that's almost always our go-to. We say, God, rescue us. And the problem is oftentimes he doesn't. Sometimes he does. And praise God for that. We, we all love to be rescued. I love that. I, I, every time I'm in a situation I don't want to be in, I ask God to rescue me. And sometimes he does, and sometimes he does not. Sometimes he needs us to walk through these situations. And that's one of the things that we're all in now, communally, as a culture, certainly us as a church. We are all walking through this coronavirus situation, and we're not sure where it's going to lead, how long it's going to be, what it's going to change, how things are going to look in the future. But we have to walk through it together. And we cry out to God because we don't like the situation. It causes pain and worry, and we let those things in, and they bother us, and we don't like them. And so we ask for rescue. And that's not happening. And for some Christians, that can be very, very difficult when God doesn't do what we want him to do. Um, it's called immaturity. And when I say immaturity, I'm not trying to make those people sound like they're somehow bad Christians. They're just immature Christians. All of us were immature humans at some point, but we grew up eventually, right? We learned how to walk. We learned how to dress ourselves. We learned eventually, most of us, how to feed ourselves and cook for ourselves and that sort of thing too. And that's called maturity. That's the process of maturity in a normal human life. And the same is true spiritually speaking. We mature, we grow, we learn things. And one of the things that we learn is that not everything goes our way and that sometimes God doesn't do what we want him to do. And we want God to be a magic lamp that we rub and everything happens just how we want it to be. And God's not like that. And it's very dangerous to try to make God into that because we're talking about the almighty creator of the universe here. We're not talking about our own personal checkbook or our own personal magic lamp, magic wand, whatever, whatever metaphor you want to use there. And so with maturity comes that understanding that sometimes God will not rescue us out of the situation that we want him to. And it's, there could be any number of reasons, but for one or more reasons, God wants us to walk through the situation. And we see this with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was recently Easter, right? So on Monday, Thursday, after the Lord's Supper, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He knows he's about to be arrested and it's all about to go down, right? And yet, he asks the Father, if it's possible... I'd like to not do all this, please. But at the end of that prayer, and he was fervent about it. He prayed, he sweat like drops of blood, okay? So he was very, very passionately not wanting to do something. He was praying for rescue. There's nothing wrong with praying for rescue. But at the end of the prayer, he says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Father. And that's what we need to do. I'm not against praying for rescue. Please pray for rescue. Do it. God might want to rescue you. That would be awesome. But at the end of all of those prayers for rescue, we need to say, nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. And if your will is for me to walk through this valley, then I thank you that you're going to be walking through this valley with me. 
and that you're going to be leading me, guiding me, comforting me, and helping me along the way. Because that's what Jesus promises. He promises he'll never leave us or forsake us, no matter what. He promises us that in this life we will have trouble, because all humans have trouble. All humans suffer. It's part of our lot in this fallen world that we live in. He doesn't promise a lack of suffering. He promises that he'll be with us in the midst of the suffering. And more than that, he promises that he will bring purpose out of the suffering. Romans 8, we all know the passage. God works together all things for good, even the terrible things. He works good out of them for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. If we are following Jesus, holding his hand, at, if you will, through the valley, he's going to make even the most difficult things in our life something or multiple things typically are going to happen through that or because of that that work out for our good, for the good of others around us, for the good of maybe the whole world. And that's what Jesus promises us. And so part of our understanding this week as we continue to talk about these things is realizing that maybe we're not as mature as we thought we were. And if that's you, if you still find yourself stuck in a cycle of just asking for um, rescue all the time, not getting it, and then getting really upset, upset at God. Maybe you start to doubt whether God cares about you. If God loved me, he would rescue me, and he doesn't rescue me, so I guess he doesn't care about me. If you're finding yourself in that cycle, then that's an indicator that you're not as mature as you need to become. Um, you're going through some growing pains, is what that means. And it's not a bad thing. I'm not, I'm not, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, okay? I'm not condemning you if that's you. I'm saying that it's graduation time. You're graduating from preschool to kindergarten, maybe, or something like that, in the spirit, I mean. And you're becoming more mature, and you need to relinquish that control and relinquish that need that everything's going to work out how you want it to work out. And that when you want something to happen, it's going to happen, and God's your magic wand to help it, because that's not true. It never has been true. Um, and it's an opportunity for you to grow and to mature, and to become more like Jesus, who said, yes, God, rescue me, absolutely, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And so that's where we want to get to be. And uh, many of us in this church are already there. Some of us are still in the process of getting there. That's okay. There's no shame for a toddler who's barely learned how to walk and still falls sometimes. That's not shameful. If anything, it's cute, right? We like it. We encourage toddlers. Okay, you fell. No problem. Get up. Keep going. Keep going. You're learning how to walk. And... That's how we all are as we grow with Lord, as we grow in the Spirit. And so if, if you're still growing in this, that's okay. Don't, don't let the devil come and bring condemnation. Oh, see, you're not good at this thing that Pastor Nate talked about, so you suck. You know, you're a bad Christian. God's pretty disappointed with you. When God looks at you, he's like, sheesh. Okay, that's not how God looks at you, I promise. God looks at you as the loving father who, when the kid is trying to learn how to walk, is going, yeah, come on, come on. Yeah, come on, another couple steps. You got it, you got it. Okay, that's how the Lord is with you. Trust me. If you don't believe me, that's okay. Just trust me. Um, we've been talking about these things because I think they're really, really important to our everyday life because we all go through valleys and circumstances and difficulties. And we need to learn how to walk through these with the Lord in a more mature way. The Apostle Paul talked uh, talks about this as learning to walk in the Spirit. Okay, we learn to walk in the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit who is within us. So it's not difficult to learn how to walk because he's right here. He will show us how to do it, okay? And we learn to walk 
by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. And it's much easier to follow Jesus when we're walking in the Spirit than when we're just walking under our own power and trying to do everything in our own control because it's hard to find where he is there. It gets clouded by our own selfishness. Oftentimes it gets clouded by our own pain. Whereas when we're walking in the Spirit, the pain that comes from the suffering that happens in life, it's easier to learn to give that pain over to Jesus. We talked a little bit about that last week, about how when all the stresses and anxieties and fears and worries of life press in on us, they offer us a sample of themselves emotionally. My car won't start. Okay, that's an inherently slightly stressful situation. If I'm on my way somewhere, it's more stressful. If I'm about to be late, it's even more stressful. If I don't have jumper cables and I have no idea what I'm going to do. Now it's pretty stressful, right? So depending on the situation and the level of stress of that situation, the situation offers you, offers me in that metaphor, in that example, it offers me stress. Ooh, this is, this is bad. You should become stressed out about this. It offers you that. And we are completely used to saying yes all the time. Whenever situations in life offer that stress, we say yes. It's become a bad habit. We don't even realize we're doing it. Most of us don't even realize that there's an option to say no to it. But there is. And we're going to see that in a minute. So in 1 Corinthians 4, we talked last week, that the Bible says we are supposed to be pressed but not crushed. And I gave this analogy of the two water bottles. We're pressed but not crushed. So this bottle, which is full, full of, in this example, the Holy Spirit, full of the gift of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, of peace. When we are filled with the Spirit, we are pressed, but we're not crushed. It squeezes in, it moves, yes, it, but it causes a little strain like stress does, but it doesn't cause deformation. It doesn't get that far because the Spirit is within us and it's pushing back. It's creating a type of equilibrium. So just like the stress of this world pushes in from the outside, that's what's happening here. I'm pushing in from the outside, but the water is in essence pushing back by its very nature of being in the bottle. There's a passive resistance there. Now, if we allow the Holy Spirit to actively push back, if we cooperate with him in this process of walking in peace, walking in shalom, then that actively pushes back. And so you have the world pushing in like this, and you have the Holy Spirit inside us pushing out no matter how the world pushes, the Holy Spirit can push just a little bit harder. And that creates equilibrium inside us, no matter what's going on outside of us. And that's where we want to get to. We want to get to the place where we are always at peace within, regardless of what's happening without. As opposed to this, when we don't have the peace of Christ within us, and things press in from the outside, they press... Oh, what a horrible sound. And a more horrible feeling. Uh, we get crushed. This is not what we want to be. We're not supposed to be pressed and crushed. We're supposed to be pressed, but not crushed. And we also talked about last week from uh, Proverbs 17, how a joyful heart is good medicine and a broken spirit dries up the bones. And so there's the connection between um, mental, emotional health, well-being, and physical health and well-being. When our heart is full, okay, that's like a good medicine, even for our body. And when we have a broken spirit, when we let that fear in, when we let that worry in, those cares of this world that choke the life off from us, that dries up the bones, the literal bones. It makes us sick physically. And we talked, we gave a lot of examples last week about how medical science has now proven that stress kills us and anxiety and worry and the, the 
chemical results of what happens when we experience those emotions, if we continue to experience them over and over again, which the majority of us in America do, it kills us, destroys our organs and all this other stuff. And I mean, we could talk about that for hours and hours and hours, but I'm not a medical expert, so I'd rather you find that from other people. And I can give you some sources if you want and some studies of scientists who've looked into this kind of thing. But it's extremely convincing. And it's not just one or two things, like it's not just heart disease and cancer, it's most diseases um, are either caused by or extremely exacerbated by that experience of stress and anxiety. And so medical world has now realized that this kills us and this is a problem, we need to reduce our stress. And so they come up with all these artificial means to try to reduce our stress, some of which work, like maybe sitting down in a comfy chair. That's why I'm preaching from a comfy chair today. I'm trying to embody sort of relaxation, a little more stress-free than versus pacing back and forth, which is how I usually preach, which isn't because I'm stressed, it's because I'm excited. Um, but maybe that would induce stress in you, and I don't want you to experience stress. So I've got a nice, comfy, leather, reclining, swivelly chair that my wife got me for her birthday that I carried upstairs to record <laughs> in the bedroom, which is the quietest room in the house, while the kids do their homework. And so there are things we can do, artificial outside things we can do to reduce stress, right? We all know that. We've probably done a lot of them. But ultimately, they're not going to get rid of all the stress in our hearts. And... The only thing that can do that is the Holy Spirit. Because we are followers of Jesus, we have the Spirit within us. And because of that, we have this get-out-of-stress-free card called peace. Jesus gives us his peace, and his Spirit lives within us. And so that peace that Jesus, is give, Jesus gives us is there. It's in our heart all the time. All Christians, whoever you are, if you are in Christ, you have the peace of Christ, the shalom of Christ. And we talked last week about how shalom means wholeness. Wholeness, completeness, healing, health in mind, body, spirit. We have that gift. We have that fruit. It's called the fruit of the spirit as well in Corinthians. So it's both. It's a gift and a fruit. Um, the, the difference is a gift is something that we all have no matter what. Whereas a fruit is something that although we all have it, it has to be cultivated because we're given it in the form of a seed. We plant that fruit, and then we cultivate that seed. We nurture it, we water it, we, we tend to it, and eventually it grows, and it bears more and more and more fruit in our lives. That's what the fruit of the Spirit does. And peace is both. Shalom is both. It is a gift. We all have it, but it's also a fruit that we need to tend to and cultivate in order to see it grow. And that's what we're going to talk about today, how to do that specifically in our lives. Because Jesus says some really outlandish, kind of hardcore things about this topic. Uh, he says in Matthew 6, do not worry about anything. Do not worry about anything. What? Literally anything? Uh, yeah, literally anything. And, and that's not meant to be a metaphor. He, he spends an entire chapter in Matthew 6 explaining the fact that I'm not joking around when they say that. I am really serious. That's the chapter, if you're not familiar, where Jesus says, look, if I clothe the lilies of the field with such splendor, and yet tomorrow they're cut down and tossed into the fire, how much more am I concerned about making sure you are taken care of? You know, his eye is on the sparrow. That's from this passage in Matthew 6, where he's saying, if I take care of all this other stuff, why in the world would you think I wouldn't take care of my own children? Of course I will take care of you. You don't have to worry about anything. And he's specifically saying, talking to people who do not have food today, 
and are wondering where their food is going to come from tomorrow. And Jesus says, do not worry. Even in that extreme example, extreme example, these people aren't worried about, are they going to get this job versus this better job? And they're worried about that. No, they're worried about, am I going to live? Am I going to die? Are my kids going to live? Or are they going to die? And Jesus says, even then, do not worry about anything. He makes a huge, huge deal out of it for an entire chapter. He's really serious. We're not supposed to worry. It's a sin to worry. It was the sin of the Israelites after they left Egypt. They left Egypt, all these amazing miracles. Now they're going through the desert on their way to the promised land. They never get there. They never make it to the promised land because they worry. Worry, worry, worry. Worry comes out of unbelief or lack of faith is what it really comes out of. It means we don't trust God. If we're worried about something, it means we don't trust God. The degree to which we worry about something is the degree to which we do not trust God in that particular area of our life. And so if we're really worried about finances, that means we do not trust God in the area of our finances. Uh, maybe that sounds harsh, but it's 100% true, no exceptions. If we worry about health, it's because we do not adequately trust God in the area of our health. And that's why we worry. Okay? Worry comes from lack of trust. And we read the news and they talk about this virus and lockdown and everything and we're tempted to worry. Why? Because we don't really trust maybe the government or maybe officials or maybe people in power or whoever it is. Some of us don't trust those folks inherently. Some of us were taught by a generation of people back in the 60s and 70s who told people and their kids, do not trust anyone in authority. And then they taught my generation and said, guess what? Don't trust anybody in authority. So now we have a whole country full of people who don't trust people in authority. And so there's a lot of worry going around in this country right now because the government is saying this and they're saying that and everybody's like, yeah, I don't know if I even believe what you're saying. And that causes a lot of work because it's distrust, lack of faith. And so if we're worried about something in our life, we as Christians, we've put our trust in the Lord. And so it means that trust isn't there. We don't trust him in the area of finances because we got laid off, might get laid off or whatever the case may be. And that leads to worry. Worry then often leads to um, physical actions such as complaining. I mean, all, all the negative physical stuff like feeling bad and feeling gross and fatigue and bad dreams and all the stress things we kind of talked about last week, those physical responses. But then there's, there's other active responses, behavioral, I guess you would say, responses. Complaining um, is the main one. Um, if you find yourself complaining a lot about something, that means you're worried about that thing, and it means you lack trust about what God can do for you in that situation. Or you lack trust that God is walking with you in this situation and actually has everything under control. Oftentimes, that's the issue of control. We want to have control of our life and about everything that happens in our life. And when we don't have control, oh, we really worry about that. Again, lack of trust. Because trust is, I take the control I have over my life. I have sovereign control of my life because I have free will and I'm me. But I give that control to God. And I say, Jesus, you are in control of my life now. We all have done that. We all have said we've done that or tried to do that. Um, but when rubber meets the road, most of us take back control over a lot of different areas of our life. It's just human nature. Again, this is, this is a maturity process, okay? As we mature, we give more and more control over our life to the Lord. 
And so God, in his mercy, will sometimes put, put us in situations that we are out of control. Situations that are not in our control and that cannot be. He'll allow us to go into those situations in order to teach us that he is actually the one who's supposed to be in control of our lives, not us. Those are not fun situations. They're difficult. He doesn't rescue us from those situations, but he walks through those situations with us. So do not worry. The Israelites worried. And what happened? They all died in the wilderness. All of them died in the wilderness, except the two guys who didn't worry. Joshua and Caleb. That's scary. I mean, that's sobering, right? Um, it's not okay to worry. It's not okay to live our life in worry. Because a life in worry is a life of mistrust. Even about the important things. Oh, I have to worry about this. You don't. You absolutely do not have to worry about it. Jesus says, do not worry about it. And therefore, we should not worry about it. And if we do, it's a sin. It's breaking a commandment of Jesus to not worry. Most of us don't think of worry or stress or anxiety as a sin, but in reality it is. And I don't mean a sin like killing somebody. I mean a sin in the sense of the Greek meaning of the word sin, which is to miss the mark. We take aim, we fire, and we, we, don't, we don't make it. We miss. We're off. Okay? When we worry, we're off. We're not facing the right direction. We're not heading the right place. We're going to get ourselves off, and we're going to get ourselves more and more and more off. That's what worry does. So Jesus is adamant. Do not worry. We read it uh, from Paul in Philippians. Do not be anxious about anything. Again, anything. And that word in Greek, anything, means anything. Like actually anything. Don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Peter talks about it um, when he says Jesus is our cornerstone. And we talked about that last week. He is supposed to bear the majority of our stress. That's his job. Our job is to give it to him, to let him, to let him take our stress. And then we talked about in Peter 5, cast our anxieties on him. And that's really the first step in this. The first step is to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. And at the proper time, he will exalt us, casting all our anxieties on him because he cares for us. And that's where we need to start. We need to start by admitting that we have allowed these worries and anxieties into our life, and then we need to cast them on Jesus. I'm going to take just a moment and do that right now. Wherever you are, let's take a moment. You don't have to pause the video. If you're in a place where you can close your eyes, that might be helpful. Don't do it if you're driving, please. Lord Jesus, we confess that we have allowed ourselves to stress out this week. We've allowed ourselves to worry. We've allowed ourselves to be anxious or to be afraid. And we confess that that means we're not trusting you. That means we're not giving away control of our lives to you. We're trying to run it on our own. and We don't want to do that. But it's hard. We're still growing. We're still learning. And so, Lord, we receive your forgiveness for that. And now we give you, we cast on you all of the yucky stuff that we allowed into our heart when we did that. When we made those choices, even if we didn't realize we were making those choices, we let that stuff in, and we give that back to you, Lord. We give away the worry, the stress. We give away the tightness in our chest or in our stomach, the slight shortness of breath that we might have. We give those things and their physical reactions. We give them all to you. We pray that you would fill us with your spirit of peace. Thank you for the gift of your peace that is already within us. We ask you that you would fill us now with that peace, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just push out from within us, out against the world, 
creating a wonderful little chamber of safety for us. We thank you for that. We receive your peace. We ask you to help us learn how to walk in it more day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let's continue. How do we say no to the stresses? Because again, I am maintaining that every situation that comes in from the outside doesn't automatically get into us. We have to say yes to the emotional stress at some point. Now, most of us do not realize we're saying yes. The car broke down and it says, hey, you should be stressed about this. And we go, oh, yes, you're right. And we allow ourselves to become stressed. We should not allow ourselves to do that. There is a transaction that is taking place there. There is a choice that is taking place there. There is an act of our free will that's taking place there. The problem is, for most of us, it's a habit now. And when, when you have a habit, there's not nearly as much free will involved anymore. Because you've done it by your own free will so often that now you just need it and you do it automatically. Right? It is a habit. And in this case, it is a terrible habit that we need to break. We have a habit of always saying yes to all the stress that the world brings us. We have to break this habit, my friends. Many of us don't even know it's a habit, don't realize we're doing it, and we don't know there's an alternative. They, we don't realize that we can say, wait, 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 no. I am not going to accept the stress from that situation. So our car breaks down, we have a meeting, blah, 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 the same situation I said earlier. If that situation says, ooh, you should start getting nervous, worried, anxious, and we can say, I could do that, but I'm not going to. We say no. And it's actually that simple. John, Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 27. This is Jesus talking now. And he says, peace I leave with you. Again, this is shalom, which includes what we're talking about today, but even more than that as well. Shalom I leave with you. My peace I give you. So this is Jesus' peace that he is giving us. The same peace that told the storm to stop and the storm ended when he said, peace be still to that storm. That kind of supernatural, miraculous peace, he says, my peace, I give you. So we have that gift. All of us, all Christians have that gift. We have the gift of peace. So not only does he tell us we have the gift of peace, which is the opposite and the antidote to the stress. Not only do we have it, but now he shows us how to use it. Don't allow your hearts to be troubled. Neither allow them to be afraid. How do we walk in the peace that he gave us? How do we cultivate the fruit of peace in our lives? It's very simple. We do not allow our hearts to be troubled. This is John 14, 27. Don't allow your heart to be troubled. And don't allow it to be afraid. It's as simple as that. We just do not allow it in to our heart. When that situation says... This is super stressful when you get a call from the hospital saying your kid's in the ambulance. When, when it's a smaller thing, like nothing is working today and, and dinner's not going to be ready on time and the kids are starving and screaming. Those situations offer us stress. They offer us worry. They offer us anxiety. And we can say, no, I am not going to allow my heart to be troubled by this. Period. It's an act of our free will. It is a use of the fruit of the spirit of self-control. Remember when I talked about this water bottle? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But this bottle is us. It's our heart, our, our emotional packaging. And within here is the fruit of the spirit of peace. But here on top is the fruit of the spirit of self-control. We need to get this self-control on. 
If I lose my self-control and squeeze this bottle, what's gonna happen? When the world comes in and squeezes from the outside, if I've let go of my self-control, what's gonna happen? Oh boy. Okay, that was, that was colder than I thought it was gonna be. Uh, okay, I am really wet. That, uh, okay. When we allow our self-control to go and the world squeezes in on us, all that peace gets squeezed out. And pretty soon we're empty. And when we're empty, we turn into that, where we are pressed but crushed. And so we need to exercise our self-control, the fruit of the spirit of self-control. And we need to put that cap on our heart and say, no, I am not letting this stuff in. I am saying no. I have the God-given right and ability to stand up and say, I will not be discouraged. I will not be stressed. I will not be anxious. Now, we make that choice. We can't make that happen in our heart. That's something the Holy Spirit does. But step one is using self-control to say, I am not letting that in. Hopefully everybody's with me on this. Um, I am really wet. Okay, but we're going we're gonna to continue. Um, so, John, it's actually warm up here right now, so I don't mind being a little bit wet. Um, John 14, 27, my peace I leave with you, Jesus says. This is, again, the supernatural shalom peace of God. My peace I give to you. Don't allow your hearts to be troubled, and don't let them be afraid. Use your self-control. Say, I will not let my heart be troubled. I won't let them be afraid. In uh, Matthew uh, 14, I believe it is, he talks about the parable of the sower, and he says the cares of this world grow up like vines, or like thorns, rather. The cares of this world grow up like thorns, and they choke off the word of the Lord. We can't let that happen in our life. We can't let the cares of this world choke off the life of God in us. But God doesn't show up and miraculously rip out all the thorns. That's not how he does things. He expects us to cultivate our own lives. We have to cultivate the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. We have to dig up the thorns if we want the Word and the life of God to grow in us. We have to pull those things out, those viney, thorny things, weeds that choke off our life, the cares of this world, letting in the stress, emotional anxiety, all that kind of garbage. When we let that in, it chokes off the life of us, and we have to stop it. We have to say no. We have to exercise self-control and say, I will not do that. That's what Jesus says is the key to walking in the peace that he is giving us. Don't allow your heart to be troubled. Don't allow it to be afraid. So step one is casting all our anxiety on Jesus, emptying out our heart of all the stuff we've already allowed in. Okay? Actually, if you want to be more, cl more close, step one is humbling ourselves before the Lord. Okay? Then we cast our anxieties on Jesus. Step two. Then step three, we say no. We don't allow that stress in. Step four is then we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit and ask for his help. Because the reality is, we say, no, I'm not letting that in, but that's really hard to do, isn't it? It's so hard. We do have to do it. We have to activate our free will. We have to um, exercise self-control and say, nope, I'm not going to let myself get worried about that. But then we have to immediately get our knees and say, now, Jesus, help me not worry about that by filling me with your peace. And if we will let Jesus fill us with his peace, remember, the Holy Spirit is already in us. So he just fills up this space. He's already there. I'm going to do it with a old twins cup I have. We ask Jesus then to fill us back up with his peace and keep it there. And then 
we again exercise self-control and we say, now I'm going to stay full of peace and I'm not going to let myself get stressed out about this situation. And I'm going to live in peace instead. And this is where we get to be when we do these things. Okay? So we humble ourselves. We cast all our anxieties on him. We empty ourselves out of all that garbage. And then we say no to the new stuff that tries to get in. Whether it's something little, something big, we say no. We don't allow our hearts to be troubled. And then step three, we ask the Holy Spirit, the spirit of peace, to fill us with that peace so that we can walk in that. And that's it. Once we learn how to do this, again, we're all babies at the beginning of anything we try to learn how to do. We don't know how to do it right away. And we fail and we fall. Babies fall when they're learning how to walk. It's, it's how it works. And we will fail at this too. When I first started doing this, um, for the first almost a week, I'd say I was doing this at least 20 times a day. Maybe a dozen, but I think more like 20 times a day. About 20 times a day, the Holy Spirit would tap me on the shoulder because I asked him to do this. I said, Holy Spirit, I, am, I can't do this on my own. I need you to help me. Please remind me when I'm saying yes. Remind me when I'm breaking Jesus's word to me, which was do not worry about anything. Remind me when I'm doing that so that I can stop doing it. And the Holy Spirit will do that. That's part of his job is to convict us of sin. You realize that, right? That's in the word. To help convict us of sin is part of the Holy Spirit's job. And so if we cooperate with the Spirit, and if we say, help remind me when I am committing that sin, convict me, Holy Spirit, tap on the shoulder, he will do that. He's, he loves to do that. And he's actually brilliant at doing it. He's really good at this. So ask the Lord to help you and, and you will get this. And so Holy Spirit would tap me on the shoulder when I'd say yes to this stress, that stress, little things, bigger things as I went throughout my day. Um, and because I wasn't that great at this yet, I found myself getting discouraged and saying yes to discouragement. And I should have said no. Um, because I was, I was doing it all the time. I didn't realize that I had become a stress addict. I had become an anxiety addict. And it wasn't great. I, I did worry as well about the future and stuff like that, but not as much. With me, it was more like just the, the stuff that's happening right now. I would, let it, I would let it get me bent out of shape, which was silly. Um, I was a stay-at-home dad at the time, which I had never planned. I had a toddler and a newborn, and that's hard. Some of you have done that before. It's inherently hard. There are a lot of inherent stresses in that kind of a lifestyle. Uh, and Sarah was, was a doctor in the Air Force working on base, and sometimes she was gone a lot, a lot sometimes, and that added stress as well, right? I didn't have any friends. I was very far away from family. That all added stress as well. I couldn't speak the language of the country I was in, which was Japan. That added stress as well. So there was a bunch of stuff going on. I had a lot of opportunities <laughs> to learn how to do this. And the Holy Spirit showed me that I had been saying yes to a lot of stuff that I didn't realize I was. I was letting so much junk into my heart. And I was like, well, no wonder I feel so bad all the time. No wonder I, I, I feel fatigued and I feel like crap and I'm depressed. Depression is, is another thing, but this does feed into depression. It, it exacerbated it. I think I could have gotten out of my depression faster if I was better at this. And the reason I think that is because once I became better at this, it helped me get out of my depression. It was tough. And so the Holy Spirit would all say, you, you did it again. You said yes to the stress because 
Andrew Mooney. Oh, I did. Okay, I'm sorry. I w- and every time the Holy Spirit did that, I would just confess. I would say, I'm sorry. Yes, I said yes to that worry. I should not have done that. I trust you, God. I give you control. Holy Spirit, fill me with your peace so that I can walk full of the Spirit instead of empty or worse, full of myself. I had lived a lot of my life full of myself, and it hadn't worked well for me. Um, after about a week it started getting a little easier. It started happening a little faster. I started, I I wasn't having to do it 20 times a day anymore. I was maybe having to do it only 10 times a day. And after a month's time, I was different. I was changed. I was new. I was remade in the image of Christ in a way I had not been before. Because now I was walking in the spirit all the time instead of just walking in the spirit at certain times. I had done a lot of ministry in my life. I was a pastor, you know, at that point. I was taking a break from it to be a stay-at-home dad, but um, I had done plenty of that. I had learned how to walk in the spirit incrementally, how to walk in the spirit situationally, I guess I should say. But God wants us to walk in the spirit all the time, day to day, even in the little stuff. And I hadn't learned to really do that well. And this is the Holy Spirit teaching me how to do that well. And once I learned how to do that, uh, a lot of stuff changed, and my family noticed the difference. And I didn't, I didn't go from a zero to a ten in a month. That's not what I'm saying. But I went from a zero to a one in a month, and a one was so much better than a zero. It's crazy. Having one unit of peace is infinitely better than having zero units of peace in your life. Peace is amazing. It's, we're not just talking about the opposite of stress, like not having the stress. It's not just that we give it away and then we don't have it anymore. That feels great. But when instead we're filled with the Spirit, filled with the peace of Christ within us, it's, it's awesome. And I know a lot of you know what I'm talking about. You've experienced it. Those of you who haven't, you've got to get on this train. It is so awesome. It's the best. And in fact, it's so good that uh, it, it, it encourages you to keep doing it. Okay, I think I think the Holy Spirit is what narcotic drugs are trying to mimic. I really do. I think that narcotic drugs are. I think they're demonic. I think they're totally evil, and I I think it's a it's a sorcery kind of attempt to mimic the pleasure and peace and amazing wonderful comfortness that the Holy Spirit brings us, and it's trying to do it in a purely physical mental kind of way instead of a spiritual way and it's bad and in the end it leaves us hollow and it only lasts very briefly the holy spirit is the opposite he's kind and gentle he doesn't abuse us he doesn't enslave us he frees us unlike narcotic drugs and he brings us that peace and comfort and joy that last and they bubble up and we can pass them to other people The Holy Spirit wants to fill us so that he can flow out of us to everybody around us. And that's what we're talking about. I learned that after a month. And it's possible for you to do this too. You can change a bad habit into a good habit in a month. Even psychologists, most of them agree with this. You can change a bad habit to a good habit in a month. If you want to change your sleeping position, you can do it. If you stick it out for a month, it might be tough. There might be some suffering. It might be hard. But after a month, you can change your sleeping position if that's something you feel like you need to do. I do, which is why I mentioned it. Um, and so it only takes about a month to change a habit. 
And so we can change this habit of always saying yes to all the stress that comes into our life, always saying yes to everything we should worry about. We can stop and we can exercise self-control and we can say, nope, I am not going to be stressed about this. The situation is begging for worry, but I will not worry. Holy Spirit, fill me with your peace. I don't want to worry about this. I choose not to, but I need your help to actually walk that out. It's a partnership, right? It's a dance between us and the Holy Spirit. And it's a beautiful dance. It's a dance where we let, we make the first move by saying, I'm choosing to do this. Say no to the stress and yes to you. But then he leads the dance, if that makes sense. Maybe that's not a great analogy. I think it is because I think it's a wonderful thing that God allows us to partner with him. He is the opposite of a control person. He gives us all the freedom, including the freedom to just to stay in control of our own lives. And so he wants us to give over that control. And he's the best person to give it to because he is non-controlling. He is insanely non-controlling. In fact, sometimes I, I don't understand how he can be so non-controlling. But yes, look at the parable of the prodigal son if you want an example. Jesus gives us our peace, but we need to walk in it. It's just like any other gift from God, and we've talked about this before at Lydia House. All the blessings of the Lord are already ours. They've already been given to us. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places has already been given to us, Ephesians 1. one. Uh, I forget which verse, but it's in the other sense. We already have them. They're already ours in heaven, in that dimension of the Spirit. That's where they exist, and they're already ours. We don't need to earn them. We don't need to ask God for his blessings or his gifts. We don't need to run towards God's blessings and his gifts. They're already ours. All we need is to believe them and to position ourselves in a place where we can walk in the blessing that he's already given us. And we need to learn how to walk in the peace that he's already given us. And that's what I'm talking about. And the way we do that, the way we position ourselves to walk in the peace he's given us, is to say no, get on our knees humbly, and then say no to all that stress that's happening and say yes to the Holy Spirit. And that positions us to be able to walk in the peace that he's already given us. And then we cultivate that fruit of the Spirit and it grows and it's growth. And for me, it's grown a lot over the 10 years that, that I've been walking in this to this level, to this degree. And it, it hasn't grown like this the whole time because my... Self-control, my free will, hasn't always uh, been right. Sometimes I start slacking off a bit, um, or I start wanting to go my own way, and, and we all do that. Okay? It's, a, it's, a, it's growing. We're growing in the Lord. There's no condemnation. He wants us, though, to continue to mature and to draw closer to him, become more like him. Jesus was full of peace, so full of peace that he could tell the storm, stop it, and the storm stopped. He was so full of peace that at the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he could say, God, rescue me out of this situation. But even if you don't, even if your will is for me to go through this situation, okay, not my will, but yours be done. That's how full of peace Jesus was. And he was able to walk to the cross in confidence and at peace. So that when G uh, Peter cut off the ear of the Roman soldier, Jesus is like, no, that's not what we're about. And he went up and he healed the ear of his enemy. It's pretty amazing. And that's where Jesus wants us to go. He gave us that peace, his peace. He wants us to walk into that. And we really can do it. And this is, by the way, this is the best trade you can ever possibly make. Trading your stress for God's peace. It is 
There is nothing better than that in the entire universe to exchange stress for peace. Imagine if you could exchange your garbage for gold. Seriously, the amount of garbage that you produce in a, in a day, on a daily basis, the average person produces something like 4.4 pounds of garbage a day. Total, total waste. What if you could exchange your garbage for gold every single day? Would that be a good trade? Uh, that would be worth about $100,000 a day. If you could trade your garbage for gold, it would be worth about $1,000 a day. But we get to trade all of our emotional, mental garbage. We get to trade that for something even more valuable than gold. The peace of Christ is even more valuable than gold. Gold can't stop a storm, okay? It's the best exchange you will ever make. And now that you know it exists, if you don't do it, <laughs> that's on you, my friend. Like, we have to get into this. And I challenge you, I dare you to give this a shot. I dare you to try it for a month. Try saying no to the worries and the stresses, saying yes to the peace of Christ and asking the Holy Spirit to help you walk into that. Try doing that. Ask the Holy Spirit, please partner with me to do that. He will do it and you will change. And well, we'll, we'll talk next week about all the other things that happen when you do. When you, when you pull back this curtain and you see that life is not what you thought it was, you thought, Life was something that you had to say yes to all this stuff to. And when you pull that back and you realize that you don't, that you can soar above those things, you start seeing creation from the perspective of Jesus. When you start learning to walk in the Spirit, a lot of things change. A lot. And this is like the gateway. This is the door, I think, of learning to walk in the Spirit. I really do. And we need to, we absolutely need to get good at this. And some of us are great at it already. I know you are. Great. Here's an encouragement. Keep going. Maybe ask God to help you get to the next level. Wherever you are at, you can always get to the next level. Some of us have never even started this before. And maybe it's a little, it sounds crazy or it sounds too good to be true. Give it a shot. I dare you. God is all about this. All about giving, give it a shot. Psalms, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Just, God's like, just give me a shot. God is fine putting himself on the line. Because he knows that if you try this out, you'll be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You really will. So give this a shot. Give peace a chance. Uh, shoot. I, I shouldn't have said that. That, that, that uh, belittles what I'm talking about. But give this a shot. I'm serious, guys. Give this a shot. Don't allow your heart to be troubled. Just don't. Say no. And then ask the Holy Spirit to fill you with peace so that you can keep that stress out here. Out here. It's all out here. All that stuff is out here. In here, it's just you and the Holy Spirit. That's what it's supposed to be. You don't have to let anything else in. The Holy Spirit will help you keep it out if you stay full of his peace. And it takes it takes discipline. It, it does. This takes work. I'm not going to lie. This, this doesn't happen automatically. If it did, you'd all be doing it. We'd all be doing it already. We'd be great at it. It's not automatic. We have to do it ourselves. We have to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. God doesn't do it for us. Jesus doesn't do it for us. Jesus, why didn't Jesus just remove those thorny weeds that were choking off the seed in that, in that analogy? Because he doesn't. That's not his job. His job is to sow the seed. It's our job to cultivate it. We have to pull out those thorny weeds, the cares of this world, it says, that choke off the life of God. We have to pull those out. 
This doesn't mean, again, stressful situations won't come our way. Of course they will. They continue to do that. We can't stop it. We can't stop having to suffer. We can't stop the fact that even if we ask him to rescue us, he won't rescue us from every situation. He just won't. Sometimes he needs us to walk through it, but he will walk through it with us. Just like the oxen that are yoked together that we talked about last week. Jesus is the older, wiser, stronger, more experienced oxen, and we are the younger oxen. And we need to learn to follow his lead and to walk with him. And sometimes that means walk, plowing straight through obstacles instead of going around them or going the other way or taking an early lunch like we'd want to. But we do it with him. We don't do that by ourselves. When he calls us to walk through difficulties, when he calls us to go through the valleys instead of rescuing us, when he calls us to go through maybe even persecution, suffering, he doesn't say, now go do that and come back to me and give me a report on how it went. No. He said, he says, this is, this is what we have to do now together. Together we have to walk through this suffering now. And he goes with us hand in hand. That is his promise to us. His promise is not that we won't have any trouble in this life. Jesus promises that in Matthew 6, in this life you will have trouble. And in fact, if we're a Christian, we're promised more trouble because we've got persecution for his name's sake. So it's not true that being a Christian means we don't have any problems. What's true is that being a Christian means we have the supernatural means of soaring above them, which is way better than skipping. And we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But let, let's pray. I, I want us to practice again, giving this stuff over to the Lord. Because it takes practice. It'll take many times a day. Holy Spirit, we, we confess that we have not trusted you the way we should. We haven't given you control. We've tried to do things ourselves. We've allowed this bad stuff into our heart. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, to forgive us and we receive that forgiveness that you paid for dearly on the cross for. We receive that forgiveness. And Holy Spirit, it says in your word that you um, convict people of their sin. And we ask you to convict us when we are saying yes to the stresses and worries and anxieties and fears of this world. When we allow those thorns to grow up in our lives and we don't do anything about it, we confess that that's wrong. And we repent of it. But Lord, we don't even realize we're doing it. It's like a habit. It's like a habitual sin that we didn't even know was there. But it's under the surface and it's part of the foundation of our life and it is absolutely catastrophic to our spiritual well-being. And so we ask you, to help us to stop that. We receive your forgiveness and we ask you, Lord, Lord Holy Spirit, to convict us of our sin. We want to partner with you in convicting us when we allow our hearts to be troubled or allow them to be afraid. Even if the situation warrants it, even if the situation says, hey, you've got to be nervous about this one, you've got to be worried about this one, help us to say no, even in those situations. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would tap us on the shoulder. Any, anyone who's agreeing to this and wants to go with this right now, just agree with this prayer, okay? Holy Spirit, just convict me. Give me a tap on the shoulder. Remind me when I'm saying yes to this stuff that I shouldn't do. When I, when I misstep and sin in this particular area, remind me and help me to say yes to you instead. Teach me how to position myself through humility, 
through saying no to the stresses of the world and through saying yes to you, Holy Spirit. Show me how to position myself to walk in your peace and to walk in your blessing day by day. And for those of you who, who want to give this a shot, agree with me on this as well. Lord, I really want to do this. I really want to learn how to walk into your peace. So Lord, help me do that. Over the next month, as I start in this, help me do it. I cannot do this on my own, but I do have to make the choice. I have to use my free will that you gave me to say, yes, I want to do this. I want to say no. I want to change. I want to trust and I want to walk in the spirit, but I need your help, Holy Spirit. He will help you. The spirit of God is already within you. You don't have to find him. You don't have to beg him to come help. He's already there. Remember that. He's with you all the time. And he will help teach you how to do this. He will help you walk through this day to day in your life. And if you're like me, you have a spouse or kids, maybe, or friends, roommates, that uh, they're not unaware that sometimes you get stressed out. Uh, they've probably seen you grumpy or seen you upset or whatever from time to time. And so um, something you could consider is going to them and apologizing for that at some point. Um, that would bring some freedom to the situation and probably improve that relationship that you have. And let them know, hey, I'm trying to walk in the spirit now. I'm trying to live in peace. I'm just trying. I'm going to fall and mess up a lot. And if it's somebody you live with and live close with, especially right now during quarantine, I encourage you to humble yourself. Remember, this starts with humility. First Peter 5, humble yourself. Say, you know what? It would be really helpful for me if you could help me in this and sort of keep me accountable. So if you see me getting stressed out, getting worried about something, getting nervous, um, I give you permission to lovingly say, time out, time out. This is what you told me to let you know you were doing. If you can do that with somebody else, you'll, you'll get better at this faster. Because we are meant to do things together. We're meant to live together. We are meant to be the body of Christ for one another and bear one another's burdens. If you can ask someone who you are close with, preferably someone who you are living with, to help keep you accountable and just to remind you in a loving way that, by the way, you're getting stressed out. And that's going to be a challenge, by the way, because when you're already stressed out, the last thing you want is for someone to say, by the way, you're stressed out. Because that's how you're going to take it. No matter what tone of voice they really use, you're going to take it that way. Because you're already full of the poison. You drink the poison. Don't, don't drink the poison. Um... So that, that'll be tough, but that, that's very humbling, and I guarantee you, you'll, you'll move along this, uh, this gradient a little bit faster if you do that. So my challenge to all of you is to practice this over the next week, and next week when we come back, we're going to talk about some specifics of how to really excel in this and some pitfalls, things that you know tend to happen that are difficult, and then we're going to continue talking about the peace of Christ, the shalom of Christ, and all of the wonderful aspects that that does, because eventually you will find that the peace of Christ will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And if you are walking in the peace of Christ, you'll be guarded, protected from a great many things. And there's a whole host of things, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful things that happen when we learn to walk that spirit. So I encourage you to tune in next week, give this a shot over this week, and join us right now for lunch via Zoom. The information is right on our website. 
So come and check that out and join us. All right, see you next week. God bless.